TR and help him out. That'd be great. Uh, we've been uh, reading and digesting the material over the past um, couple of years. The material is a confirmation of what God has been doing in me over the past seven years. So uh, I want to connect with you guys this morning and share with you what God has been doing in me over the past seven years. Here's the deal. We have a real problem in the church. We have a real existing problem in the church. And that problem is people are not transforming. Transformation is not taking place in the church. The Bible talks about in Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And people are not renewing their mind and transformation is not taking place. This is a big issue. Because if we aren't transforming, if we're not allowing the spirit of God to transform us, then we are not going to be able to allow God to move through us to reach an emerging generation. Barna Research says it like this. Seven, seven percent of the people polled across the United States were asked, have you had a significant transformational experience in the church? And 7% said yes. Seven. Remember the statistics back in the 90s that we were reaching 4% of the emerging generation? Well, I imagine that the transformational power that was taking place back in the 90s was a little more than 7%. Imagine what's happening now if only 7% of people are receiving and actually transforming in the church what is happening to the emerging generation. There has been a desire to sit and to rest on our laurels, to be God's enforcers rather than someone who wants to hear and be transformed by the word of God. We take verses like we're separated from the world and we literally separate ourselves from the world. We don't have any connections with people who are outside the church because we're not transforming. And if we're not transforming, we have nothing to offer. We are called to judge ourselves and love the world. But we have done the opposite. We have judged the world and we've loved ourselves. Remember the plank in your eye? Remember that? A little verse about we're so concerned with the speck in our neighbor's eye that we forget about the plank in our own eye. Stop and ask yourself, is the great separation between the church and the, what, what maybe some would call the secular world, is it really because we're so great and they have to, to rise up to our standard and they're not doing it and we're angry at them because they're not loving God and they're not serving the Lord? Or is it, we are not approachable? Or, or is it, we are not nice? We're not people who, who uh, can actually be in a situation where someone can be hurting and broken because we're so quick to tell them what they should do. 
Oh, well, I've got the answer for you. You know that the, the messenger will never be received until that messenger brings love. And the message that that messenger has will never be received until that messenger is received because they love. So we've got a real issue. If 7% of the church admits to actually being transformed, then that leaves a giant portion of the church that is not transforming. Whole sections of the gospel are not being uh, transformed in people's hearts. We look at emotionally healthy spirituality and we see that the idea is this. We are only showing people the surface. We are only dealing with the tip of the iceberg. And there are whole sections of our life below the waterline that we're not dealing with. There are whole sections of our life underneath the surface that we're not allowing God to transform. And so emotionally healthy spirituality is this. It is impossible to be uh, spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Well, what do you mean? I'm gonna talk to you about that. I believe that there are whole groups of people who've never developed as an emotionally mature person because they've never delved beneath the surface, they never dived beneath the surface. We have tip of the iceberg spirituality, large areas of our life are untouched by the gospel. You see, we have a sense of honoring God and being the best disciple that we can be. And we do things like we read the word, which is good. We memorize scripture, which is phenomenal. We go through discipleship plans. We are, maybe we submit to a mentor or we mentor someone else. And we become the shining example of God's standard. And so we go through the programs that church has typically offered over the years. We go through the different learning phases and different things that churches have offered, but we don't take a look at ourselves. I want to challenge you with something. Jesus was true to himself. He understood who he was. He understood his direction that he was supposed to go in. He had a firm grasp on his emotions. There were times when he released his emotions, right? And because he was true to himself, there was conflict in his life. Jesus didn't run from conflict. He handled conflict in an emotionally healthy way. But whole sections of people around Jesus were disappointed by him, right? The religious leaders were disappointed that he was doing what he was doing. His disciples were disappointed because he was leading them in a way that wasn't what they wanted. The, the crowds of people were disappointed by Jesus because they wanted him to be a conquering king. But imagine if Jesus hadn't been true to himself. Imagine if Jesus was unaware of himself and he didn't follow what God wanted him to do and become the person, all man, that God wanted him to be. He wouldn't have accomplished what God wanted him to accomplish. And so it's the same with us. 
If we're not aware of who we really are, you know, we take to heart scriptures like the heart of man is wicked and deceitful above all things who can know it. Our righteousness is as a filthy rags. And I agree with those things, but we take those verses and we say, it's got nothing to do. We, we can't, we can't follow our feelings for anything. We've got to just trust the Lord and, 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 and we're reading the word and we're trusting everything, but God put those feelings in you for a reason. One of my favorite people in all the world, his name is Skip. Uh, Skip is a uh, quadriplegic. <clears throat> he was the dean of my Bible college. And uh, he has no feeling from the waist down. And uh, one day he was telling me a story about this giant scar that he had on his calf. I said, man, tell me about that. He said, well, I don't feel pain from the waist down. So one day I was leaning against a furnace and the only reason I knew that I was burning is because I could smell my flesh. So I moved away. It caused a major problem. He got sick. Obviously, if you have a major burn, you get sick. But think about it in this context, natural, supernatural correlation. God allows us to feel things so you're aware of what needs to happen. Amen? God allows us to feel emotional pain so that we know that there's something that needs to be fixed. But we as people, we run away from it. We run away from emotional conflict. We run away from emotional situations. Whole generations are taught it's not okay to cry. Be a man. Rub some dirt in it. And we cripple people because we tell them not to feel emotions. You don't have to raise your hand, but and, but think about how these things resonate with you. You get easily and deeply offended in circumstances. You get angry at the drop of a hat. You get frustrated easily when things don't go the way you planned. You get defensive. It's a big one. You use sarcasm as a defense mechanism. You avoid face-to-face -face conflict, but you stew over the issue and hide bitterness in your heart. You have a why me mentality. You see, discovering that true person that I was required that I looked full in the face of the person that I was in private. Because who you are is who you are in private. This facade that we place before the world, we say, this is me, I have all these gifts and talents and anointings, these wonderful things that I am, they're a facade just like this wall. It's foam, it's not real. It's a facade that we show everybody it's, 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 a, it's a phoniness that we say, this is the real me, and then we're different at home. And we're different with the ones we're closest with. And we, we walk away from difficult situations because it's too hard to deal with it. And we let a root of bitterness begin to take hold of our lives and we're not transformed by the gospel. You see, we memorize scripture not so that we can just memorize it. Francis Chan said it perfectly. He said, you know, we, my, my daughter, uh, she, she has to clean her room. And so I say to her, I want you to clean your room. And so what she does, she comes back to me and she said, I memorized what you said. 
What? Well, you said to clean your room, and I'll say it like you said it. Clean your room. Isn't that great? I memorized it. But the room's not clean. We memorize scripture. We hide the word of God in our hearts so that we can be doers of the word, so we can let it transform us. You must know that maybe for you it's true, but you must know that there are people who are people of great gifting, anointing, understanding, and knowledge, but they lack character. There are many pastors who are like that. We say, how can a pastor fall from grace? How can a pastor have a moral fairy like that? How can a whole church be destroyed because a pastor did this or did that? But we're all walking with those same struggles. We're showing the world one thing and we're acting a different way behind the scenes. Why? Because we refuse to let God into every area of our life, beneath the surface, past the facade, behind the curtain. How many of you have ever been exposed to somebody's real self on accident? Maybe they were uh, uh, a certain way in front of you, and then maybe you, you overheard them, or maybe you, you, uh, they didn't know you were there, and you heard them freaking out. And it's like you, you got to peek behind the curtain of the great Oz. Oh, I'm pausing because I know that I have not always, and I still struggle, been the person that I am, both in public and in private. I had a young person, one of our youth years ago, catch me freaking out. I was freaking out in my house. I was yelling at something. I look out the window, and he's tromping down the, the pathway back to his car. And I fell before the Lord on my face. And I said, God, I just want to be the same person. Always. I want to be transformed by your word. And a process began in my heart. God, I can't do this anymore. It's not about looking a certain way. It's about being a certain way. We walk out of this church and we come unglued. We're in our homes and we're freaking out. We're having conflict with people and we don't solve it. And God is so desperate to get to those deep parts of your heart. People who are Christians who have confessed Christ and claim to live for him, but are not emotionally healthy at all. Non-Christians. How many know some non-Christians who have exemplary character and are more pleasant to be around than people who are in the church? And then we sit back and we wonder, why does the world hate us so much? Oh, because we have it all together and they don't like that. No, it's because we're jerks. And they're trying to tell us we're jerks. And we're saying, you just think that because you don't have Jesus. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about Joseph. In, in a message entitled, Going Back to Go Forward. Uh, but I want to look at a little bit of part of that this morning, uh, of his story today. So Genesis uh, chapter 50, verse 19 to 21. 
Uh, those of you who don't know, Genesis is in the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 50, 19 through 21. Before I read it, I want to talk a little bit about the backstory. If you don't know the story of Joseph, his brothers sold him into slavery. Joseph was an arrogant little guy who basically was like, hey, I'm going to be exalted. And you guys, it's going to be great. He didn't have a grasp on how to be subtle. He didn't know there was a B in the word, right? And so he had no subtle bone about him. And so he's declaring all these things. He had a zeal for the Lord. Like a lot of us have a zeal for God, but we don't know how to speak the truth in love. And so his brothers were envious and jealous. And they thought, Joseph, you're a little jerk. So we're going to get you. We're going to sell you into slavery. And so here he is in a foreign land. He doesn't speak the language, but he still had a deep sense of what God was doing in his life. And he knew, he knew that God would never leave him. He knew that God wouldn't forsake him. He trusted the circumstances that he was in, although they became nearly impossible. He was enslaved. He was imprisoned. He had an outlook on life, I'm sure, of, okay, God, if this is it for me, this is it for me. How many of us maybe don't have enough money to make a, a car payment and we flip out? Or we have somebody challenge us or, or a grown child come and say something we don't like and we flip out. Or somebody say something negative to you and you absolutely go berserk. Here is Joseph imprisoned, enslaved, going through thing after thing after thing. And what is the, the connection? Joseph said, I'm trusting the Lord. He allowed his circumstances to transform him, to grow him into an emotionally healthy adult, a person who had an understanding of what it is to be healthy emotionally. And this is the result. Genesis 50, 19. Let's start at 18. It says, his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. They knew who he was. This is the guy that we sold into slavery. We better humble ourselves. He has the ability to chop off our heads right now. And if Joseph would have chopped off their heads, nobody would have thought anything of it. He wouldn't have even had to explain himself. He had the ability to go negative, but he chose not to. He says, but Joseph said to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he conf uh, comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So here we have a circumstance that occurred. We have people who are coming before him and saying, oh, they're not apologizing. They're just like, oh, you were right. We were wrong. And most of us in that circumstance would say, you're right. 
I was right. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Or I don't want anything to do with you. But this man let those circumstances develop emotional health. And the last thing that was said was he spoke kindly to them. He cared for them. All that he had gone through, and that was his response. We go through pain, we eternalize it. We don't deal with it in a healthy way. We do things like leave churches, move to different cities. Uh, while God is wanting us to change where, who we are. He's wanting us to change who we are, where we are. You see, most of us, when faced with circumstances like Joseph, we'd look for an opportunity to bolt, to get away, to move away from the difficulty, to, to go to a different place. But here's the truth. Wherever you go, there you are. So what is God attempting to do here? This is the intro. We are going to go through eight weeks specifically about emotional health. So what is God attempting to do here? He's trying to find people who are willing to go beneath the surface of their life. He's trying to find people who are aware enough to know that there are issues. Are you self-aware? Are you aware of what you bring to the people around you? Are you aware, aware that what you do hurts people? What you say, how you speak hurts people. So God is trying to find people who are willing to go beneath the surface. Number two, he wants to find people who want to break free from the pain of their past, not continue to live in it. I wrote a blog recently. It's called I Wear Glasses. And I remember a time in my life when I wore glasses that were extremely scratched. We didn't have insurance at the time, I think. I don't remember. I can't imagine why I'd have such bad glasses. But they were scratched beyond belief. I couldn't see really out of them and everything that I saw had scratches. And I remember talking to a friend of mine and that friend had the sun behind them and I couldn't see their face because the glasses were scratched so bad. And I said, Lord, what is the supernatural natural correlation there? And the natural supernatural correlation is what am I seeing in life through glasses of circumstance? How do I see people through the lens of what my life has been to this point? How do I see people who I've had conflict with? How do I see people who rub me the wrong way? How do I see people through the lens that I've created through the life that I've lived? How many can resonate with that? We begin to see whole groups of people, i.e. the lost, by how we see them act on the news and the media reports. Oh, these horrible lost people, they're so... Ridiculous. Number three, people who are willing to live in brokenness and vulnerability. That's who God is looking for. But we live in pride and arrogance and defensiveness. He's looking for people who are willing to live in brokenness and vulnerability. To say, I don't have all the answers. What I did was wrong. I'm sorry. Number four, he's wanting us to discover the gift of limits. 
We are not limitless. God has limited us. And there's a gift there. We can't do it all. We can't be in every situation. We can't take care of everything. We can't run around fixing and controlling every little thing. There are limits to what we're capable of doing. And God wants us to find that limit and be okay with it. He's wanting us to embrace grief and loss. And listen, he wants us to find the deep lessons that are only learned on the other side of grief and loss. When I lost my brother years ago, I grieved for about 30 minutes. Then I was angry. Then I started blaming. Then I started accusing. And it wasn't until I grieved that I learned the lesson that God wanted me to learn on the other side of it. God wants to find people who are willing to embrace grief and loss. Number six, he, want us, he wants us to be people who make the incarnation or the infilling of the Holy Spirit our model for loving people. Let me say that again. He's looking for people who want to make the incarnation or Christ in you, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, the model for loving people well. Not just taking a verse and reading it and saying, I should do that, but actually having Jesus through you love people well. The other scary statistic that I've touched on before is that the majority, 80% of people who call themselves Christians, 80% of people who call themselves Christians do not have regular time of quiet and solace to connect with Jesus. How will you ever know and have the Holy Spirit living through you if you never take time to connect with the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with him? God is looking for emotionally healthy believers who can love people well, not angry enforcers for God, arrogant, defensive, and religious The reality is you will not mature until you face reality. So the questions are this, how do you deal with conflict? How do you handle difficult life circumstances? Step one is knowing the one who is the author of it all. And we will go through systematically eight weeks of deep, wonderful understanding and reflection of what it means to be emotionally healthy but we're also gonna talk about contemplative spirituality. And what does that mean? Teaching us how to be with Jesus. Do you not wanna be the 20%? I mean, you wanna be the 20%, you don't wanna be the 80. We're gonna teach you how to have quiet time. How many would just raise your hand and say, I try to have quiet time and then my mind wanders and I, I yeah. Yeah, I think that's true for all of us. It takes time, it takes practice, it takes commitment. So step one is knowing the one who's the author of it all. In Matthew 11, and I'm almost done, 28 says this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Raise your hand if you are weary and carry a heavy burden. Okay, so he's talking to you. And I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you. In other words, that connection. Take my connection upon you. You and I are partnered. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Bless you. So Jesus says, come alongside of me. Let me teach you because I am gentle and I am humble. So I'm going to teach you how to be gentle and humble at heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I'm going to ask you again, how many would raise their hand and say, you've been walking with Jesus, but the burden feels heavy and hard. If the burden feels heavy and hard, it's not the right yoke. If you are overwhelmed and burdened and struggling and the burden is hard and heavy and it feels awful, then you do not have the right yoke on you. And Jesus says, let me place my yoke upon you because mine is easy and light. So that should be the indicator right there. Ah, life is not easy. Life is hard. It's very difficult. Okay. Jesus said it's easy and light. Let me teach you how to be humble and gentle and you can walk with me and the circumstances won't overwhelm you. Number two, I want to encourage you to get into the EHS course. It starts next Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. We are offering an in-depth connection with this material, not just on Sunday mornings, but on Monday nights. You can register at events.christiancenter.me. There's a price for the books and the materials, but I encourage you to get in it and let God move and become the emotionally healthy person that God wants you to be. Step three, at a minimum, do not miss the next eight weeks here in church. Because we're gonna learn some things and God's gonna transform us, amen? And we are going to be a healthy group of people who will transform the world because we've allowed God to transform us. So the last thing I'm gonna say is this as we sit and we struggle with wondering why people aren't transforming, why the world isn't transforming. How many would say the world is getting worse? I hear it all the time. Oh, it's getting so bad. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And the days are evil and all these different things. But if we are transforming and the Holy Spirit has his way in us and we're becoming different, and we're allowing him to get beneath the surface and deal with all the stuff that we've hidden for years and years and years, and we really transform, and we rise above it all, then we will take that into the people that we deal with. And we will take that to the world that is in such dire need of, of hope. But when we're the same as the world, when we handle conflict the same way, when our divorce rate is the same, when, when people who are Christians or they call themselves born again or evangelicals or agnostics or atheists and they're asked the same question, have you had a significant faith experience? No. If we're not transforming, 
how will we expect the world around us to transform? I know, let's just sit in our seats and wait for Jesus to come back, right? That's the safe play. Let's just wait. Matter of fact, we'll lock the doors, we'll chain them, we'll just sit here, we'll get some food in, and we'll sit and we'll wait. Do you know that there are whole huge numbers of retired pastors who can't afford to live in retirement because they were convinced that by the time I retire, Jesus will have come back. Where does it say, sit and wait? He says, you better be about my business. And his business is being, is understanding who you are, letting him transform you so that you can be the light to the world. And being the light to the world is not just doing it better than everyone else. Well, I haven't murdered, I haven't fornicated, I haven't this, I haven't that. It's not about that. It's about being loving and connecting and being a reflection of the love of Jesus. And that's why we're here. And that's what this is going to do. It's going to show us how to do that in the right way. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do, it shall prosper. Get signed up for EHS. Do not delay. And we are going over to the park, Broadbent Park today. So uh, go home and get changed and we'll meet you over at Broadbent Park. We've got the water slide for the kids and we're gonna have a great time. We'll see you guys over there at noon. Noon, noon, noon. Bless you guys.